Roethlisberger, the quarterback, was all, hug it, chug it, football! All night! Hearts are pounding in Denver. Nobody but Terrell here. Davis, it is a rocking standing up! Denver is in the lead! Denver's gonna win it! Oh, baby, they're gonna win this thing! Probably the final play of the game. It is caught by Dyson. Can he get in? No, he cannot! And the Rams have won the Super Bowl! There's one thing I want to say here tonight. It's only four words. This one's for John. Welcome to the sweet smell of victory, name change pending. This is your host, Brian Priest. Find me on Twitter at bpriest24. That's at B-P-R-E-E-C-E 24. You can also find Name Change Pending on Instagram at Name Change Pending 24. And on Facebook, just search for Name Change Pending. And please, if you could take just a couple minutes out of your day and rate us uh, five stars on your podcatcher of choice. Those five-star ratings help with the algorithms. I don't understand them, but they give us a boost. And when people search for the Denver Broncos, then they're more likely to find Name Change Pending. So give us a hand with that. On this episode, we're going to be talking about some of the positives and negatives from this week's 20-13 to victory over the Los Angeles Chargers, the 500th victory in franchise history. So it's great to see for the Broncos. We're going to take a look at the offense and the defense, and then I'll close with my honest opinion about whether or not the Broncos should attempt to sell off some of their veteran pieces before the 4 p.m. October 29th NFL trade deadline. Before we get into the offense, I want to talk about cornerback Devontae Bosby real quick, give an update on his status. Bosby was carted off the field on a backboard after he took a helmet-to-helmet hit from teammate Alexander Johnson late in the second quarter. Johnson said of the hit, that that hurt me a lot, knowing I hit one of my teammates. Once you find out he's going to be okay, you feel better, just thankful. So from from that quote from Alexander Johnson, we we can assume that it looks like Bosby should be all right. Uh, Bosby was taken immediately taken to the hospital, left the stadium, and after MRIs showed that it would be safe, he was discharged from the hospital and returned to Denver with the team. Uh, I'm sure that today we will get a get further update on Bosby's status after the uh, Broncos medical staff are able to take a look at him and get in for some more testing. But you know, just uh, good luck to Devontae Bosby on the recovery. That that looked like a that, that was a scary play when a guy's laying on the field in that prone position, not moving. You, you always worry about that. So it was good to see Bosby have some movement in his extremities. And then also great to know that he's returning to the to Denver with, with the team because that's always a concern. If you have to stay in the hospital, you're, you're going to be a little bit more worried about that as a fan. We'll, uh, we'll move on from that, jump right into the offense. So... Early in the game, the Broncos were were pretty productive offensively. Their first two drives, they the opening drive, they had a seven play, seventy five yard drive capped by a Philip by Philip Lindsay's third touchdown of the season. And then after uh, getting the ball back for their second possession, the Broncos had a five play, eighty one yard drive. Not so much a drive. The big play on that one was a seventy yard catch and run from wide receiver Cortland Sutton. Sutton you know, makes the catch, breaks two tackles, had a terrific stiff arm, and, and then just left the Chargers' defense in the dust. That was also Sutton's third touchdown of the year. They uh, then followed that up with a 40-yard field goal from Brandon McManus on their, their final possession of the half. In between, things didn't go really great, especially in the second quarter. They only possessed the ball for 
three minutes and 27 seconds of the second quarter. Uh, Flacco was sacked and fumbled on the first play of the quarter. Uh, the Chargers recovered that ball. And, I mean, really the concern when, when we're looking at that second quarter specifically is that they they simply just can't keep the defense off the field. The offense really needs to be able to possess the ball more, keep the defense fresh. Because we saw what this defense can do, especially with uh, healthy Todd Davis and Alexander Johnson came in, had a great day. We'll talk more about that defense. But the offense has to do their part and keep the defense off the field some more. Looking at individual statistics right now, quarterback Joe Flacco was 14 of 20 for 180 yards. He had one touchdown and one interception. Two turnovers on the day. He was sacked three times and ended up with a below-average QBR of 42.4. Flacco fumbled twice, lost one of those fumbles, accounting for his two turnovers along with the interception. I, but watching this offense, I'm really, I can't blame it all on Joe Flacco. I, I don't love what I see from him week in and week out. But offensive coordinator Rich Scangarello has got to do a better job of focusing on the things that are successful with this offense. The running game between Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman and those quick timing routes, the slant routes and things, three-step drops. When when he starts calling plays that, that ask for Flacco to, to do those five-step, seven-step drops and even more so the, the plays that take a little bit longer to develop and the offensive line has to block for four, five, six seconds, they simply haven't shown an ability to do that. We need to have quick timing patterns and get that ball out because the offensive line cannot protect Flacco enough. And Flacco can't move. We knew that coming into the season that Flacco is not a mobile quarterback in any way. He's not even very mobile in the pocket. So when he gets that pass rush in his face, Flacco, it seems like he tends to freeze and takes more sacks than he should. Also struggles to get rid of that ball. But that's, like I said, that's something that Rich Scangarello needs to take a look at and, and realize that, you know, maybe they need to scale this offense back a little bit. Uh, I talked about Philip Lindsay a little bit. He had 15 carries for 114 yards. Big plays from Philip Lindsay, especially on the first drive of the game and the, the last drive of the game for the Broncos that set up a field goal to put the Broncos up seven. Uh, and a, the touchdown on the first drive of the game, as I mentioned, he also had runs of 21 yards and 12 yards on that drive, so two first-round runs like that. And then on the last drive of the game when they they hit uh, got in range for another Brandon McManus field goal, Lindsay had a huge 32-yard run for a first down, and then another 13-yard run. The, the great thing about that is, like I said, they, it allows the offense to stay on the field. It keeps the defense on the sideline, lets them get some rest so that they can get stops. Uh, Lindsey was just huge in this game. He, he has been all year. This was probably his most productive game. He averaged over seven yards per carry. And we look at the wide receivers. Cortland Sutton really was the only receiver on the field that did anything of note for the Broncos. He had four catches, 92 yards on seven targets, by far the most targets on the team. And his his 70-yard catch-and-run that I mentioned was probably the biggest play of the game for the Broncos. Probably the biggest play of the game for either team. Uh, i got to mention the offensive line. They, they, they were bad again, but I, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't mention after my harsh critiques of Garrett Bowles. He's now gone three consecutive games without a holding penalty. So, I, I mean... As long as you can get rid of those those mental mistakes and and stop putting the offense in a hole, 
I, I appreciate that Garrett Bowles is making some progress, and it's it's good to see for the Denver Broncos offense. We're going to take a quick break, and then we will return and talk about the Broncos defense. We appreciate you joining us on Name Change Pending today. Make sure and jump on Twitter. Follow your hosts, Brian Priest at BPriest24, Tommy Jerome at Ruthless underscore Lupe, and Josh Keel at Rise and Shout. Also, we know that you're busy, but if you could take two minutes out of your day and give us a five-star rating on your podcatcher of choice, that would be so amazing. Help us move up those algorithms. I don't totally understand how they work, but I know with some five-star ratings, the podcast shows up higher on the lists. And we want to help other people find the show, don't we? Doesn't really matter what you say for us. Maybe suggest some new verses for Ruthless Lupe. But thanks again for joining us, and stay tuned for more episodes of Name Change Pending. Welcome back to Name Change Pending. We're talking about the Denver Broncos today. Now we're going to take a look at the defense that really was the biggest reason the Broncos came out on top in Week 5 against the Los Angeles Chargers, 20-13. to Defense finally forced some turnovers. There were three turnovers in the game, interceptions from safety Justin Simmons and linebacker Alexander Johnson. We're going to talk more about Johnson later. He had a fantastic game. And then Kareem Jackson forced... Austin Eckler into a fumble as he attempted to dive into the end zone to end the second quarter. So that was a a huge play for the Broncos defense in the third turnover there, even though technically the Broncos didn't get the ball. The defense didn't get any sacks in this game, but they did get consistent pressure on Phillip Rivers throughout the game. Rivers just looked uncomfortable in the pocket the, the entire time back there. Uh, you know, as, as I watched this game, I couldn't help but think to myself, how important is Kareem Jackson to this team? Kareem Jackson missed last week's game with a hamstring injury and was able to make it back for this week. And the defense with Kareem Jackson on the back end just looked completely different. Uh, Jackson, like I said, he, he forced that huge fumble on fourth and goal to close the first half. He led the team with 10 tackles, and it just looked like everybody was a little bit more calm and people were in the right position as opposed to last week where there, there were guys running free all over the field. Alexander Johnson was another guy that had a terrific game. He, he had one interception in the, in the end zone, and he almost had a second interception that would have secured the win, but he, he dropped that ball. It happens. There's a reason some guys play defense. They just don't have very good hands. Johnson played 93% of the defensive snaps, and he he ended up getting a game ball for his efforts in this game. He was second on the team with nine tackles. And I'm going to be completely honest. When I was watching the, the first half, I wasn't sure who he was. Every time he made a play, I because of his long dreadlocks, I couldn't see the name on the back of the jersey. And so I, I actually had to look it up, look up number 45. Oh, that's Alexander Johnson. I, I'm just glad the Broncos had him starting with Josie Jewell out this week. Both Alexander Johnson and Todd Davis had, had great days in the middle of the field. Todd Davis was third on the team in tackles. So the two middle linebackers really making plays for the Broncos defense. Cornerback Isaac Yadam continued to struggle after he replaced Devontae Bosby after his neck injury. Yadam played 27 snaps, and it looked like he ended up being replaced by cornerbacks Duke Dawson Jr. and Devontae Harris, who got first extensive playing time of the year for either of them. Dawson played a little bit last week, and and Harris, I think, made one tackle last week. But those guys both got a lot more opportunities yesterday. Uh, the, The one real negative, I would say, it wasn't necessarily a defensive negative, but on special teams the the special teams did allow the chargers to get back into the game it was the only opportunity the chargers had to make this a game with a 68 yard punt return for a touchdown from desmond king but outside of that i was so happy for, with this broncos defense they they played well they stayed together 
They they bent a little bit, allowed the Chargers to get some yards on a couple drives, get into the red zone, but they were able to bow up and force two turnovers in the red zone, which is something that the defense hasn't been able to do previously. This is the you know obviously the first turnovers of the year forced by the defense, so it's the first time the Broncos have won the turnover battle in a game, and we see what a difference that can make. The Broncos win the turnover battle and win the game. I'm going to take one more break, and then we'll come back, and I'm going to go a little bit in-depth on whether I think the Broncos should look to sell or not. Thank you for listening to this episode of Name Change Pending. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Name Change Pending and subscribe to get the newest episodes of the podcast and to check out photos of hosts Josh Keel, Tommy Jerome, and Brian Priest as we travel the continent to do what we love, watch sports. Also, I know you've got a lot going on today, but if you could take two minutes out of your busy schedule to give the podcast a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice, we would greatly appreciate it. Those algorithms can be tricky, and all I know is that five-star ratings jump us up the lists. So thanks for tuning in, and now back to the show. Welcome back to Name Change Pending. This is your host, Brian Priest. After yesterday's win against the Los Angeles Chargers, advancing the Broncos to 1-4 and four on the season, the question for a lot of Broncos fans are, should, should this team still look to sell off some of their veteran players and, and get draft picks back in return? I think most Broncos fans have heard the rumors about John Elway possibly selling off some of those pieces in order to build his draft cabinet for upcoming seasons. Uh, they've got pieces like Chris Harris, Derek Wolf, Emmanuel Sanders, and then there's been some question about, is Vaughn Miller going to be available? I, you know, it's a quick little story here. So last December, I, I had a friend ask me, we were sitting in the south end zone at the Broncos Chargers final game of the 2018 season, and he, he asked, what what would you think about the Broncos trading for Joe Flacco? This was as as we were watching Case Keenum and his continued self, self-destruction. My answer then was the same as, as it is now. So the, the worst thing that a team in the NFL can be is middle of the pack. You don't want to be 7-9, and 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight, and seven because when, when you're middle of the pack, it's very difficult for a franchise to improve when they're drafting in the middle of the first round, drafting in the middle of each round. Joe Flacco, let's be honest, Joe Flacco is a stopgap quarterback that doesn't, he's not going to help the team be good enough to make the playoffs, but he's also too good to allow the Broncos to really completely tank. So it, it, it's just, it was frustrating for me when John Elway made the trade for Joe Flacco in the beginning. And honestly, it's been a little bit worse than I thought. Not necessarily Flacco's fault. I thought the defense would be able to carry this team more than they have. That game yesterday gives me a lot of hope that they might be able to. But, in the, you know, I, I think as a general manager, John Elway has to look long-term. You can't just... You can't value the immediate results over the process. That's something I'm going to mention a couple of times here. John Elway needs to take an honest look at this roster. He needs to realize that this team is not a contender, and they're not going to be a contender this year. They have some pieces on this roster, some things that they can build around, but they don't have enough right now. A one-season tank really is, in my opinion, necessary for this team to truly grow into what Broncos fans have grown accustomed to during the Bowling era. And a a Super Bowl contender is is something Broncos fans expect more often than not. So when we look at some of the trade assets the Broncos have, yes, Von Miller is definitely the most valuable piece they they have that could be traded. He really could bring back some some good picks, possibly a first-round pick, maybe two or three picks. But I, I think for this Broncos team and the fact that his, his contract extends him past next season, 
or through next season, the Broncos can't afford to trade Von Miller. He's one of the few guys that shouldn't be on the trade block. His leadership and experience are too important. You're going to be bringing in a lot of young guys. And so having a guy like Von Miller to help that defense out and just be be an example. You know, Super Bowl 50 MVP in that locker room, he carries a lot of cachet, and that's that's something I feel like the Broncos should hang on to. As far as everyone else, they should be available. How many legitimate trade targets are there? I don't think very many. Really, we're looking at Chris Harris, Derek Wolf, and Emmanuel Sanders are the most valuable pieces with the Broncos anybody else probably isn't going to fetch more than a sixth or seventh round pick at best. I mean, you you look at these three guys that I've mentioned, Harris, Wolf, and Sanders. They've, they've been consummate professionals with the Broncos for several years, and I think that they deserve to play for a contender, which the Broncos are not this year. And if we can work those deals out and send them places, similar to Demarius Thomas last year, who's a guy who wanted to stay in Denver, but... You're in the NFL for a reason, and you'd rather contend than be with a team that's going nowhere. So you look at Chris Harris. He wanted to trade during the offseason already, and I think that John Elway should capitalize on his value as one of the better corners in the NFL and look to move him for a second or a third-round pick. You probably don't want to accept anything lower than a third-round pick, but they should be able to get something out of Chris Harris. Um, you, you might want to wait until Bryce Callahan comes back healthy, but I, he hasn't shown any sign of being healthy. So can you move on from Chris Harris and do you have the players to, to come in and take over that role with Devontae Bosby's injury yesterday? That leaves some things in question. So I'm not sure if the Broncos can move on from Chris Harris just because they don't have the depth on the team, but I I'd rather see them get a, a, a pick for him if they can. And Derek Wolf on the defensive line, it's doubtful that he's going to re-sign with the team this year. He's played played great for them, been a stout run defender on the defensive line. But I, I think John Elway's got to see what he can get for Derek Wolf, maybe a, a fourth or fifth round pick. And then the same with Emmanuel Sanders. He, he's been a productive receiver for the team his, his entire career, and he's shown this season that he's recovered from the Achilles tear that he suffered last season. So maybe they can get a fourth or fifth round pick from Emmanuel Sanders. But like I said, there's not a whole lot else uh, available on this team that could get much value in return. But what the Broncos need to do is they need to focus on youth. They've got young guys like Justin Hollins, Malik Reed, Draymond Jones on defense. Let them get as many snaps as possible. A little trial by fire for you. Justin Hollins got hurt in yesterday's game. I haven't seen an update on his status, so we'll have to see about that going forward. Once he's healthy, they, they need to get Drew Locke some snaps. They, they have to have an idea of whether or not he can be the quarterback of the future. Um, unfortunately, with Joe Flacco, they're, they're likely to have him on the roster next year because he's due, uh, I believe it was $21 million, and he's got a dead cap hit of $13.6 million if they were to cut him or trade him. Nobody's going to trade for Joe Flacco. So that's, that's going to be a tough one with the Broncos. But you, you get Drew Locke some time, and if Flacco can be a mentor for Drew Locke, then that could be a good thing for this team to Concern is that Flacco's expressed an unwillingness to accept a backup role, so that could create some issues in the locker room. Um, as far as going into the next year, the Broncos should have a lot of salary cap space available. According to SpotTrack, they've got an estimated $66 million uh, going into the 2020 season. And for all, all the struggles that John Elway has had in the draft, it's been pretty much the opposite in free agency. He's brought in a lot of great players, Demarcus Ware, Darian Stewart, um, 
I mean, God, Ron Leary was a good signing until he he tore his Achilles last year. But they they've had a lot of success in free agency. It's not always the route you want to go to build a team, but for a, a short term, if you've got money available and you don't have to give out long term deals, that sixty six million or more could go a long way for the Denver Broncos. I mean, in summary, the win yesterday was awesome. It was great to see the Broncos defense come out and play terrific, get a twenty to thirteen win, but that that shouldn't cloud the the process that we're looking at. The short-term results, if John Elway lets the short-term results impact his long-term process, that would be the worst thing for this Broncos franchise. A win was great for team chemistry and a belief in the future, but the the Broncos really need to focus on the fact that they don't have a contending team right now and they they need to trade some players and and try and get draft picks and get young guys time so that they can have a chance next season to to come in and be a contender under Vic Fangio in his second year, more than likely. That's it for Name Change Pending. Thank you for joining us today as we talked about the Denver Broncos. This is your host, Brian Priest. Find me on Twitter at bpriest24 and our other hosts on Twitter, Tommy Jerome at Ruthless underscore Lupe and Josh Keel at Rise and Shout.